Section thirty one of Memoirs of Miss Sidney Biddulph. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Memoirs of Miss Sidney Biddulph by Frances Sheridan. Volume three. June the twenty second. I now send you, my Cecilia, my second letter to Mr. Falkland. Why do you compel me, sir, noble and disinterested as your conduct has been towards me, to accuse you now of unkindness? You call me insensible. Oh, it is from my too great sensibility that all my sorrows have sprung. Destitute as I am of happiness myself, or even of a possibility of ever attaining it here, I look for no other comfort in this life but what must arise from seeing those whom I most esteem in possession of that tranquillity of mind which I can never hope to enjoy. If Mr. Falkland were happy, if Miss Birchall were happy, I should be less miserable. Remember, sir, it was not this lady's fault that you were disappointed in your former hope. She did not try by female wiles to engage a heart which you refused her. She used no ungenerous arts to cross your wishes. Loving you as she did almost to distraction, she yielded you up in silent anguish to a rival, a rival superior to herself in nothing. I acknowledge, sir, I was to have been yours, and with my own consent. But was it not also with my own consent those bonds were cancelled by which we were to have been united? I was then convinced Miss Birchall had a prior claim. I think so still, and ever shall. Miss Birchall's family is not mean. Her fortune is considerable, her beauty and personal accomplishments inferior to none. And but for Mr. Falkland, she had been innocent. Yet do not imagine I would aggravate your fault. Miss Birchall's candour could not suffer this. How charmingly ingenuous was her confession! In the midst of tears and blushes she owned her weakness. You, she said, were not to blame. She praised your generosity, your compassion, the integrity and frankness of your whole behaviour towards her, and, could Miss Birchall's suffrage have ensured to you the completion of your wishes, Mr. Falkland would have been indebted to her for what he once thought his happiness. But though her testimony could not avail you in that particular, yet are your obligations to her the same. Does not, then, Miss Birchall love Mr. Falkland with a generosity equal to his own? Do years of fervent and unalterable affection deserve no return? Does the child, the dear innocent, that cause you father, deserve no consideration? He bears your name. Sir, let him not blush to own it. He may one day be an honour and a comfort to you. Put it in his power to make it his boast, instead of his shame, that Mr. Falkland was his father. The amiable lady whose very life is bound up in you has, in the midst of her affliction, one great source of comfort. Her character has escaped the malignity of cruel tongues by the privacy with which she conducted her measures till after the birth of your son. 
the retirement she has since lived in, her prudent, her modest, her exemplary conduct, have created esteem in everybody that knows her. This circumstance, as it is a peculiar felicity to herself, so ought it to be a motive of encouragement to you, sir, to complete her happiness. The false judging part of the world will have nothing to point at. Miss Birchall's relation or even connection with Mrs. Gerard is hardly known here. She has had no correspondence with that irregular woman since she became a widow, and her character had not suffered before in such a manner as to reflect dishonour on the young lady who was then under her care. How then can you persist in a cruel rejection of this lady? You own she is amiable. I am sure she has a thousand good qualities. Is her love for you, her unparalleled love, to be imputed to her as a crime? If it be one, long and bitter has been her punishment. On you it rests to recompense her sufferings. What may you not expect from a grateful heart that worships you? Such a fervent, such a faithful love, deserving as you are, you perhaps may never again meet within woman. With her you may be happy. She will make it the whole study of her life to render you so. Your own heart, conscious of having acted nobly, will confirm your happiness. Would to God I could inspire you with such sentiments as would induce you to make generous experiment. How would your character rise in the esteem of the two persons whom you profess to revere? How would you be adored by the amiable sufferer? But above all, how delightful must be the exaltations of the self-approving mind! There wants but this act to render you the most deserving of men. I would fain esteem, respect, admire you as I ought, but you will not let me. You will be a common man and undistinguished among the light ones of your sex. I showed this letter to Miss Birchall. She read it with grateful tears running down her cheeks. In about an hour I received the following answer to it. Miss Birchall may triumph, madam, since she has obtained you for her advocate. Well, you have acquitted yourself of the task your rigid heart has undertaken. I thank the lady for the justice her charmed ingenuousness, as you rightly call it, has done me. But what have I gained by this? Have I not raised the fair complainant still higher in your esteem, given her a stronger claim to your pity, and furnished you with arms against myself? Wretch that I am, I do. I must acknowledge the force of everything that you have urged. Miss Birchall is amiable, her sincerity, her constancy, and, by me, unmerited love, deserve to be greatly recompensed. I would to heaven I had a heart to give her. But I have not. You know I have not. She knows it too. Could I have made Miss Birchall the return she deserves, I would not thus long have shunned her presence. I acknowledged the state of my heart to her, even at the time I had lost all hopes of possessing you. And in the spite of my own struggles, after years of confirmed despair, I found myself still enslaved. 
how then could i offer a hand devoted as my whole soul was to another object to a lady whose constant tender and delicate affection demanded all the return that a sensible and grateful heart could make this madam is all the plea i can urge in answer to those arguments you offer to promote your favourite wish consult your own delicacy let miss birchill consult hers and then perhaps i shall stand acquitted of ingratitude i hoped madam that cleared as i have been of one imputation i might have recovered some favour in yours and lady biddulph's thoughts i was flattered with this consolation small as it was when every other hope forsook me but when an unexpected event again brought happiness within my prospect this reflection i own became of more importance and served to strengthen my then revived hopes but you dash them with an unrelenting hand and again build up those barriers between us that heaven itself had overthrown what can i say to you inflexible as you are has miss birchill all your pity you may command my life madam i would lay it down freely for you but i cannot must not will not give up my love until you declare in express terms that i must be miserable i will not even give up my hope orlando falkland see my cecilia the heart i have to deal with hard to be subdued and obstinate in all its purposes i expected difficulties but was in hopes he would be less determined in regard to his perseverance towards me i think however i have gained some ground he acknowledges miss birchill's merit and seems obliged to her for the part she has acted towards him i have been under some difficulties on this occasion for as miss birchill was not so candid in her acknowledgments to my mother as she has been to me i cannot let her know the whole of her confession for this reason i only told her the general purport of what i wrote last to mr falkland and in reading his answer to her i passed over such passages as i thought might induce her to require an explanation i own i am a little hurt at miss birchill's former perverting of facts on this occasion but as i have already said more than once there are great allowances to be made for one in her very critical situation neither have i the least right to reproach her for it even in my thoughts for had she been ever so explicit at my mother's first interview with her it could not have availed me you find my dear it is necessary i should speak plainly to mr falkland i shall write to him again and here you shall have a copy of what i say but i must lead this violent spirit with gentleness and endeavour to convince his reason without wounding his tenderness mrs arnold's third letter to mr falkland you give me pleasure sir i begin to descry hopes for your and my amiable friend i know such a heart as mr falkland's cannot be proof against sentiments of gratitude and compassion it will not be difficult to convert those sentiments into love when the object is so deserving try sir try the experiment cannot fail 
how much to your honour will so noble a triumph be over an ill-fated passion what delightful returns may you not expect from the obliged the grateful partner of your happiness do not call me inflexible or rigid filled as i am with gratitude and a sense of your merit i should hate myself if i did not acknowledge that you deserve more from me than it can ever be in my power to repay i must be plain with you since you require it it is impossible i ever can be yours sorry i am that the necessity of circumstances compels me to make so early a declaration from which i thought my present situation would have exempted me but i forgive you sir for urging me on this head and draw a happy presage from your resting your hopes in relation to me on my own determination you appeal to my delicacy whether you ought with a heart estranged to offer your hand to miss birchall were delicacy alone to be consulted the answer perhaps might be easy but there are superior considerations in your case to be taken in love without doubt demands love in return but where injured honour is to be repaired where the disgrace of a darling child is to be prevented those nicer sentiments of the soul must and ought to give way and i will venture to pronounce that miss birchall would with raptures receive the hand which would confer such valuable blessings on her leaving it to time and her own unremitting tenderness and assiduity to get an interest in the heart which by such an act proved its own rectitude on this subject i from experience am qualified to speak you know sir the interest you once had in me you cannot think me so light a creature as to suppose i so soon after my breaking with you bestowed my affections on another i did not obedience to my mother's commands was the sole motive which engaged my vows to mr arnold and i married him with no other sentiments than those of esteem and gratitude for the great love he bore me yet from these seeds sown in my heart sprung a tender and ardent affection never did wife love a husband better than i did mr arnold his kindness merited and did win my whole affections nor could a temporary alienation of his heart dispossess him of the place he held in mine his returning love for which with all thankfulness i own myself bound to you sir made him still dearer to me than ever and i now possess myself wedded to his memory you have a right sir to expect that i should explain myself at once to you in this subject for your own sake and for miss birchall's i must not suffer you to entertain a doubt of my resolution you compel me to repeat that i think miss birchall deserves your love and has a just right to your hand she throws herself upon your honour without pretending to have any lawful claim if she had i should not condescend to solicit the man who could refuse to do her justice my mother is firm in her first resolves could you place a crown on my head her integrity would still oblige her to reject it 
nor would a crown tempt me to forfeit the duty which i owe to her see then sir if that unexpected event which you mention a fatal event to me has brought you nearer to your wishes and here let me add in justice to my own particular sentiments that i think mr falkland is the last man who ought to be my choice even if my heart were disposed to make one reproach me not with ingratitude or caprice till i have explained myself it is not long sir blameless and unconscious as you were of the injury and nobly as you repaired it since you were the cause of a separation between me and my husband i know you will say that our mutual innocence on this occasion and the secrets being known but to a few of our friends made the objection of little weight i grant you with many it might be so all minds are not equally susceptible tis my unhappiness to have a too resenting heart my own honour scrupulous you may call it would not suffer me to let the man succeed mr arnold in my love who was the occasion of so much uneasiness to him and the cause of my being suspected in my fidelity would it not be an insult to his memory oh sir what is the world's opinion to the approbation of our own hearts mine has never yet reproached me and this has been my support in all my trials thus much i say for the reverence i bear my dear mr arnold's memory but i have other reasons to offer in my excuse refinements you will call them but my heart feels their force i am not the same woman who you once loved afflictions have impaired my health and those little advantages of person which nature bestowed on me have not been improved by time my spirits broken by misfortunes have left me languid and insensible to joy peace is the utmost of my wish and all that i am now capable of relishing the bride whom mr falkland once sought was in the bloom of youth admired and caressed by a flattering world unblemished in her character her fortune equal to her wishes her heart her virgin heart was then a present with pride let me say it worthy of any man's acceptance it was then in her power to bestow happiness and mr falkland would not have been matched unequally but the scene is changed what could i now bring to your arms a person faded by grief a reputation though undeservedly once called into question a little helpless family without fortune a widowed heart dead to love and incapable of pleasure oh sir could i bear to be your wife on such conditions indebted to you as i am past a possibility of my ever making you a return to what a mighty sum would you raise the obligation how poor would you make me in my own eyes humbled as i am by adversity my soul has still too much pride or let me call it delicacy to submit to this no if there was no miss birchill in the world 
no parental sway to guide me in my present circumstances i never would be yours you have now before you my final determination i shall trouble you no more on the subject if your heart relents towards miss birchill great will be your reward in her you are sure of a tender faithful and charming friend who will more than repay every act of kindness towards her and he who is the author of justice and mercy will not fail to bless you i am etc methinks my dear friend i have now eased my heart of a load that oppressed me what can i say more Mr. Falkland now knows my determined purpose in regard to myself, and, if he is not quite insensible, I think Miss Birchall must at last obtain the wish of her soul. Oh, my Cecilia, I would not have my heart devoured by such a flame as hers for the whole world. But have I not acted as I should do? I hope I have. I feel satisfied with my own conduct, and I never yet found that be the case when i acted wrong there are some nice points in which your own hearts are the best as well as the most impartial judges if mr falkland persists in rejecting poor miss birchall i can urge him no further but i am determined not to see him july the twenty fifth how uneasy has been my suspense these three days I question if Miss Birchall's is much greater. No answer from this strange man. Perhaps he has flown off again. No, I wrong him. A letter is this minute brought to me from him. Read it, read it, my beloved, and congratulate me. You were born to conquer, madam. What is there that you cannot effect? My heart was made for you, and you can mould it as you please enjoy your triumph if it be one i will receive miss birchall as your gift and since i cannot obtain your love i will at least compel your esteem why should your generosity your compassion for an unhappy lady to whom you have no obligation exceed that of a man who owns himself bound to her in gratitude i wish i could repay her the debt of love i owe her but I will try to repair my fault hereafter, and in her gentle bosom perhaps I may recover that peace to which I have been so long a stranger. She will forgive the waywardness of a heart which never disguised its anguish to her, and which she knows has been torn by a fatal passion, that like a cruel disease was not either to be resisted or subdued. But thanks to you, madam, I think I begin to feel my cure approaching. Miss Birchall's tenderness will finish what you have begun. You shall never reproach me more. If I ever had an interest in your heart, I will not forfeit it now, but make that proud heart acknowledge, spite of itself, that Falkland was not unworthy of it ha my cecilia what do you say to my orlando now my orlando let me this once call him has he not a noble mind happy happy miss birchall you are at length arrived to the summit of your wishes long may you enjoy them and 
may you make your love as blessed as he deserves to be my mother clasped her hand together in joy when i read this letter to her god bless him god bless him said she he is now indeed a righteous man how rejoiced i am my dear that i have been the means of bringing about this so much wished-for event and yet methinks if i were in miss birchall's place though my heart doted on the man to death i could not receive him on such terms he accepts her as my gift it is to raise himself in my esteem he does her justice nay i think the assuming man seems to insinuate a sort of superiority over me by this concession why let it be so i shall be content in my humiliation if my gift will restore him to his peace if it does which i pray heaven it may ought he not to think himself indebted to me i think i should not let miss birchall see this last letter he does not consent with a good grace and it may damp her joy though upon second thoughts i question whether she has delicacy enough to be much affected by this circumstance i am saved the trouble of observing any decorum towards miss birchall she has been just here wild with transport and was several minutes in the room before i could get her to speak coherently she had received a letter from mr falkland written by his own angelic hand she said she made no difficulty of leaving it with me and here it is mr falkland's letter to miss birchall is it possible madam that i can still be dear to you careless and remiss as i have been towards you since you first honoured me with your affection if you can forgive this i am ready to offer you my hand and hope by devoting my future days to you to make you amends for those years during which deserving as you are i have withheld that heart which was your due i never had any merit towards you but my sincerity and i will not now give up that virtue to arrogate to myself another to which i have no title i own to you madam that it is to mrs arnold's superior prudence and nice honour i am beholden for being brought to a just sense of your worth and my own obligations to you if you will give me leave to attend you this afternoon you will receive a man filled with sentiments of gratitude and esteem for you and who is determined by his future conduct to deserve a continuance of your love i am etc i congratulated miss birchall after reading this letter on her approaching felicity she had not words to express her acknowledgments to me the service i had rendered her was indeed to her a most important one and there are some occasions where words are of no use miss birchall can be eloquent without them she embraced me a thousand times and wept in tender transport on my neck my mother is as much delighted at this happy event as if it immediately concerned her own welfare she recommended it to miss birchall to have her little boy with her when mr falkland came to visit her it seems he has not seen the child since his last return to england he did not care to go to the house where it was boarded for fear of drawing any observation on himself to miss birchall's prejudice and the people never permitted the child to be taken abroad by any one but miss birchall 
who passes for its aunt, or Mr. Falkland's housekeeper, but this good woman happening to be sick when he came to town, Mr. Falkland had not an opportunity of sending for it. Miss Birchall greatly approved of the notion, and flew from us to prepare for this so much desired interview. And now, my Cecilia, do you not think Mr. Falkland has proved himself a disinterested lover, shall I say, of your Sydney? Indeed, he has given a noble testimony of his esteem and deference for me, as well as he formerly did of his affection. If Miss Birchall does not render herself worthy of him, how I shall hate myself for having brought about this union! But she loves him too ardently, and is herself too lovely, not to get possession of his heart, when it becomes his duty as well as his interest to give it up to her. All acquaintance between her and me must now cease, for her sake, as well as Mr. Falkland's. This will be necessary. My presence may disturb, but never can contribute to the tranquillity of either of them. End of section 31